press play on the inside inside sales show powered by the sales iq network my name is daryl prale i'm your host and you my friend well you and i we're going on a journey every single week talking to the industry's most accomplished sales legends as they share with us their tips their tricks their techniques and their tactics to become sales rock stars you simply need to do what they're doing and you will achieve similar nirvana if you like to laugh you like to be entertained if you like to go off on tangents and tell stories you're gonna love what you're gonna hear next sit back relax it's gonna get real How is everybody doing today, my friends? Another week has come. It's exciting. I'll be honest with you. My voice is uh, is challenged. I have been doing way too much public speaking again, and and it's it's the dog days of summer, and I am dying. Normally, what I would do in this case is I would have put humidifiers on. It sounds stupid. Humidifiers are bad. Humidifiers in my office, and I would you know eventually coax my throat and my voice back to health. But in the middle of summer, the thing I have the most of, it seems, inside my house is humidity. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm sucking lozenges. Hey, have you ever had that? Everyone on a sales call where you're dying, you're sick, or you're all stuffed up and you don't know what you sound like, but you know you don't sound good. And you're like, should I be doing this or not? It's, it's crazy the things we do as part of our jobs. Speaking of that, I do have a question for you. If I were to say to you, what are the top... I don't know. Let's start with three. People like threes and fives for some reason, right? What are the top three things that you think you need to have in your job as a sales professional to excel at your job? Just don't, whether you have it or not, I want you to say in your head, well, Daryl, that's a great question. I think I need to do A, B, and C. Maybe it's objection handling. Maybe it's discovery. Maybe it's negotiation. Maybe it's under, maybe it's, it's setting pain. Maybe it's prospecting. Maybe it's social selling. I don't know. Top three attributes, and they could be anything, anything that you think you need to have, what would it be? We're going to come back to that, okay? So hold that thought. The reason I ask this is because I'm always amazed as a sales leader when I talk to reps about their skills and I, it's, and it's always a setup. You should know this, okay? Just if, you're, if you don't know this, that your, your manager is setting you up and they want to talk to you about your skills, one of the things they're going to ask you is they're going to ask you, you know, you know, what are you good at? What do you need help at? I'm here to coach you. I'm going to mentor you, all that kind of stuff. We'll get you queued up. We'll get you trained. Life is grand. And you're going to say, I'm great at A, B, and C. And, and, and I don't know, you know, maybe I could use some help here maybe but you know i'm not bad so for us sales leaders what we know that means is that you probably suck at almost everything you just told us and you have an overinflated sense of where you're good at and i told you the story recently in one of my other episodes i was working with the sales manager one time that thought they were the cat's meow they were god's gift to sales sequences and when I looked at their sales sequence, it was three touches and it was reusing old dated outreach formats that others have advocated for that had no originality. And they couldn't understand why their sequence wasn't converting because damn it, they're great at sequences. That's this is what you kind of see. And I, I know early on in my career, I was looking at other sales professionals and not just sales reps, by the way, I would look at other people in my community, in my, in my neighborhood, near my cubicle, 
that I thought was doing an incredible job. They were a rock star. They were performing. If I can be like them, that's what I want to be. And what I started to note was, well, that person was kind of good at that. So maybe I'll do that. And then it had no change. And then that person's good at this. So I'll do this. And then it kind of had no change. And the reality is a sample size of one or two or three, not enough for you to figure out what you need to do. Now, combine that with what you think you're good at, which you may or may not be good at, this isn't looking good. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, if you think you're good at something, but you're not, you're not going to put any more time into it because you're good at it, even though you're not. I mean, the reality is what you need to do is you need to look at a large sample size. You need to look at candidly, I don't know, let's look at an industry as a whole, like the top 10%. Let's look at the top 10%. If I were to look at the top 10%, I would say, what are their shared secrets? What do they have in common? And then I'm going to, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to just discard whether I have that skill or not. I'm going to assume I don't. And then I'm going to go pursue the top traits of the top 10%. And I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to have them tell me, I'm going to read their stuff. I'm going to watch their videos. I'm going to practice it. I'm going to AB test it. And I'm going to just assume I suck at it. When I started doing that, my life changed. Now, there's a little bit of ego you have to, you have to worry about here. If you're like me, I have no shortage of ego. You know, suggesting that I may not be as good at something as I thought I was, was hard. But then when I started doing the research and I looked at the traits and I started understanding, you know, going, reading their books as an example, then I understood that what I thought I was good at was like the first lesson on like, going 10 or 15 lessons deep on what it really means to have that skill. And these top 10 percenters were helping me understand that it was just simply a case of not that I was inept. That's not it at all. It was a case of, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And then I had to be willing to learn. So with that said, you know, we've never talked about here. We've never talked about the secrets of the top 10 percenters. So where do I go for that? Well, you know the way this works, folks. I reach out to my handy-dandy, incredible Rolodex of amazing, brilliant, smart people who are way more successful than I am. And I, they all have their own little skills. And in this particular case, you may know this one because she's kind of epic. I want to talk to you today with my friend, Christy Jones. She is the principal at Sales Acceleration Group, and she loves to help founders drive revenue through improved people, processes, and strategies, but mostly she is a sales rock star. If you go to the Sales Acceleration Group website and you actually look at the website, you're gonna, and you look up Christy's bio, I love it. You'll see there's a principal profile page. And what I love about that particular page is all the freaking awards she's got. Top 50 sales and marketing, top sales world. You know, just it just goes on. You know, she was an active member of the Sales Experts channel, as was I, by the way. It's a shame that one has ended. But that I know, miss that. I know, isn't it awesome? But and Deb Calvert, who led that, it just just incredible, incredible women. But with that said, Christy, welcome to the show. Daryl, thanks for having me. <sighs> Christy's uh, we're recording this on a Friday. And Christy was sharing with me before we went live that she's having a crazy ass fry. Normally it's a little bit laid back, but you're having a crazy ass fry. What's making your day so crazy, Christy? 
Oh, we've, you know, I, we have started the day with a little, little turnover, you know, <laughs> you know, we love to start our Friday. <laughs> Let me just come out with it. We had, you know, had an employee quit this morning. You know, we always love to start our day with a Friday with a little turnover. So yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. Yeah. So that, that always kicks the day off nicely, you know. Was it? Was it the classic? But I love this part. Like when you have the, you know, can, can we have a, can, can we have a conversation? I need, I need to chat with you. Oh, sure. Side sidebar. Yeah, so, sidebar. Yeah, and then you're probably not going to like this, and you know right away where it's going. Like, oh, don't say it. Yeah, I, it's good times. You can smell it coming a mile away. And and are you like me, where I like immediately selfishly think of myself, and I go, this is going to really mess with my plans, and then I correct oh, and go. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I need to talk about you and why you're leaving. And is it a better opportunity or have I not made you happy? But yeah, I always go into the, this is about me situation first. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. I was like, I don't have time to cover your job right now. I'm very busy. <laughs> so my, so, you know, me, my first question is, and so how much notice are you giving? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, go, I go, oh, a full two weeks. Thank you. <laughs> a full two weeks. I'm so grateful. It's funny. I work for a European company now, and uh, the norms. So they're 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 out of France, and I was unaware of this. Christy, you may be aware. The norm in France is you have to give three months' notice. Yes, I am aware of that. I do have some European clients. It blew me away when I got into that. They're like, "Yeah, we just found this," and it was the opposite. We we're like, "We we had this role. We had a film. We found this incredible candidate." And it's like, "When you know, when can they start?" And it's like three months later. You're like, "What?" Yeah, because they have to get three months' notice. <laughs> I'm like, but we all know the minute you give notice, you're already partially halfway through to checking out and, and moving out on. Out the door. Yeah. Yep. So yep. anyway, sales reps, give us more than two weeks notice if you can. And if you can, please stay engaged until the bitter end. We would be grateful. But with that said, that's, we would be grateful. let's talk the top 10 percenters. You've got a, you've, you've spoken on this before. You've got a presentation and everything. So let's just wing it. I do. What, what are we, what are we talking about today and the top 10 percenters specifically? Yeah. So I'll start, I'll kick mine off with a little story as well. So I, I like to call it what rock star sales reps have in, have in common. And the kind of the concept came around. If you went to my bio page, you probably saw that I play tennis competitively. I'm on a women's USDA team. And so our team is, we say we bring people on the team who can help get us to districts, but we also want to drink with afterwards. So we're equal opportunity tennis, tennis teammates. But a few years ago, my team qualified for districts and we had a woman on our team. Her name was Laura. And Laura came in and Laura had been just a solid player, right? Like, you know, she was just a solid B, B plus player. When we, we needed her, she was there, a doubles player. And, but during districts, like she became like, she became this incredible tennis player. And normally the rule is like, we'll put the first, like we play normally five matches over a weekend. We'll put the first two lineups out for Friday night and Saturday morning. And then from that point forward, earn your spot, right? That point forward, winners, you know, winners, winners win and winners keep playing and losers get a support and bring us water when we're dehydrated. Well, Laura was playing at such an incredible level. Like we just couldn't believe it. And she just kept playing better and better and better. And so she, poor girl never left the court. And so at some point over the weekend, I said, oh my God, I'm like, we need to get Laura her own tour bus. Like we are literally just her backup singers, right? She was our rock star. Like we knew if we put her out there, like that, we won that court. Like we had to have, you know, three courts out of five to, you know, to win that match. And we could put Laura out over and over and over again. So I always say like, and, you know, when we came up, you know, when we came up at the end of the weekend, we all went out and had drinks and we were like, what happened? And she's like, I don't know. Like it just, I was in the zone, right? But I think it's not just, you know, athletes talk about that, performers talk about that, like I was just in the zone. But I think there are things that people do that create the zone, 
right? You don't just wake up and and decide that you're going to be in the zone. It's things that you've done to put yourself there. So, Daryl, let's jump into rock star trait number one. Number one. Rock star trait number one is rock stars know themselves. I have a Christieism that goes with each of these traits. So the Christieism for this is own your own shit. And rock star traits know themselves and they own their own shit. And what I mean by they know themselves is, listen, when I get the call from people who are like, hey, I've got a friend who's thinking about going into sales, will you talk to them? And I'm like, my motto is I got 30 minutes for everybody. Sure, shoot over an invitation. I go, by the way, what kind of sales? People are like, what do you mean? I go, well, sales is not just sales. Like there's a lot of different types of sales jobs. Do you have any idea what we're talking about? They're like, no, they just said sales. But I think rock stars don't just say sales when that question's posed to them, right? Do you want to be an inside sales rep? Do you want to be a territory sales rep? Do you want to have an, walk into an existing book of business and grow that? Do you want to hunt? Is customer success really your thing? Do you want to grow relationships after the fact? Do you want to be an SDR? Do you, you know, is that your forte? You know, hunting out, finding key accounts. So there are so many different sales jobs. And the people that are performing at the top 10%, they understand what their secret weapon is and what their swim lane is. And the sooner you can figure that out, and the sooner you can figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are and where you really play and where you play better than other people, you're gonna be on the way to success. Because not everybody is built to be an outside sales rep, not everybody's built to be a customer success rep, not everybody's built to be, you know, to, to you know, keep what you catch, right? Some people don't wanna do that. So the sooner you can figure out where you play best, why not put yourself in the best position possible to win? And so number one trait, Daryl, is they know themselves. I, I prefer own your own shit, personally. I think I'd say I might. I understand. Yeah. I understand. It's catchy, right? <laughs> but, you know, for those listening, I mean, how many times have you heard me beat this drum? I, you know, Chrissy, I always use the term be self-aware. Know your strengths and weaknesses are and where you want to go, right? But you got to be honest with yourself. So like that example I gave where that fellow said, I am the best secrets maker in the world. You know, I know they knew they weren't the best sequence maker in the world. I mean, if they were, they wouldn't have had this, the results they were having, but they were so focused on protecting their own ego and vanity that they stuck to their story. You can't do that. You gotta, you gotta be honest with yourself. You gotta own your own shit. You gotta know your strengths and weaknesses because that becomes the starting point from where you go from there. That's the foundation is the best way I describe it because your next steps are driven by this step and it's kind of an important step. All right, that's rockstar trait number one. Yep. You ready for two? I'm doing it. Let's do it. Number two. Daryl, two, this is going to be age appropriate for the two of us, but we may have to explain it to what I affectionately call the zillennials. So <laughs> I just combine the millennials and the Z. It's just easier, I've right? Never heard like, that and I got it and I love it. <laughs> you can use it. You just give me credit. I yeah. will. So that we'll explain to the, the, the zillennials afterwards. So number two, be Columbo. Oh, you will have the to Christie-ism totally explain for this. That. Yes. I know, right? I know. The Christieism for this is it has to be all about them before it can be all about you, before it can be all about us. So, Zillennials, Columbo was a detective back in the day, trench coat, top hat, the whole bit. But he was a master at discovery. He could have been an, he could have been he could have made a lot more money as a sales rep than, than as a detective because he knew what questions to ask when to ask which questions, and he knew when to go in for the kill. So 
there may be a phrase out there that your parents have used that may have been like, oh, you just columboed me. And the impotence of that is Columbo would ask all of what I'll call like the tactical housekeeping questions, right? Like, tell me about your current situation and what can be improved upon and, you know, the how, all the good how, what questions. And then just as he was walking out the door and he thought he had his man or woman, he would get to the door and he would be like, oh, oh, but just, but wait, but just one more question. And that would be the question that caused them to hang themselves. And so he was the master of discovery, but he understood that it had to be all about them or he wasn't gonna get what he wanted out of that and he wasn't gonna get the prosecution that he was looking for. And so rock star sales reps truly understand not only just questioning. So I think the other Christism here that I like to say is discovery is not an event, it's a process. And if you think once stage two in your sales funnel called discovery completed, and all like once that once that box is checked and you've moved on to the demo stage, which are awful stage names, by the way, and I will not advocate for those. If you think that's what it's all about, and that discovery stops once you've moved them to stage three in your pipeline, wrong. So the best sales reps understand that discovery is a process. And that every opportunity they have to ask additional questions, to gain additional information, to build additional trust is what's really going to take them to the end of that sales funnel and get that closed one deal. So I almost feel guilty here because I've been hammering in a polite, loving way, right, folks? The, my, my poor crew here <laughs> nonstop lately on discovery being a process. And I've been hammering them saying, you guys, you think you're doing it but you're not, you're taking shortcuts. You don't want to do it. If I look at one of the biggest thing that I see sales leader after sales leader after sales leader do is spend time training people on the process. I don't care if it's, you know, if you follow a process like, you know, medic or med pick or spiced or spin or challenger or complex, I, you know, I don't care, but it's a process. You got to do the steps. And the steps are there for a reason. And too many of you don't do it. And too many of you rush through it. And I want to bring this back to what Chrissy was just saying. Columbo asked all the obvious questions, which is what you folks are doing. And then he started getting deeper. And then he asked just that one more question, which is where he was able to, in this case, you know, prove their guilt by getting their answer. But in your case, that last question is going to be the question that's going to be able to help you differentiate and your solution for somebody else and validate that you can fix their pain and validate the impact and all this wonderful stuff. I could go on. You get the idea. It's it, but I'm always amazed at how little questions get asked. Like you follow the script. Here's the opening question, you know, so I'm going to ask the opening question. And then they say, they give you something, the answer, which begs for a follow on question to understand more. And I, when I listen to the calls, you ignore that and move on. And that's not painful. What it's painful, Daryl. Yeah, but it's not painful. what Columbo would do. That's not what Columbo, that's not no. what Sherlock would do. That's not what Perot would do. That's not what Miss Christie would do. You get the idea. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely worth a, worth a YouTube, Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Columbo, last question. It's definitely worth a YouTube. It's kind of like, I'll put it in a more modern generation. It's a variation of what Steve Jobs used to do. Just one more thing, which... He's been dead now for maybe 10 years. So maybe that's even too old. Columbo, my gosh. 70s, by the way, kids. You're running mid-70s. So and he wore a trench coat, which today would be creepy. And it was kind of creepy back then too, but. It would be 
Yes. Yeah, today if you wore the trench coat, you would probably be profiled and arrested on the spot. <laughs> Very much so. But Peter Falk was the actor, and he's fantastic. All right, yes. that's number two. Yes. What's the next rock star trip? Tip. Number three, rock stars understand the mental game. Ooh. Christyism here is I cannot motivate the unmotivated, but I can inspire the self-motivated as a sales leader. So rock stars truly understand all of the components of being an A player, a top 10 percenter, a top performer. And this is the same thing that we see in other, in other industries, right? So this is not unique to the sales world, but I think for some reason we don't give it enough attention. We don't give it enough time. We don't speak to it. We as sales leaders don't speak to it. But I ask an interview question and this, it goes like this. Hey, Daryl, regardless of the job or the company that you work for, tell me three things that you do regularly, consistently that you think make you successful. Ooh. And rock star sales reps answer the question the following way. They have a meditation practice. They work out first thing in the morning. They eat well. They may have a religious or a spiritual practice. They try to read two books a month. They listen to podcasts regularly. They surround themselves with positive, successful people. And I think that as again, going back to my tennis situation, I am I'm a 4-0 USDA tennis player, which means that the mental side of my game is about 80% of me winning or losing, right? They understand that visualization is important, which I spend a lot of time doing on the court and, and, and around big matches. They understand that self-talk is a, is a make or break. They understand that saying and doing things, self-care, getting exercise, all of those things all play into their success as a sales rep. And particularly because... You know, our job as sales reps and sales leaders, super stressful, not nine to five, start at zero every month. How would everybody, how would other, how would other professions like it? If they had to start at zero every month and then try to hit a number by the 29th, 30th or 31st of every month. So if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not doing all the things that you need to do, if your mental game isn't sharp, then I, then you're just making your life harder. There's so many ways I can go with this one. So guys... And I use the term mindset, which is a variation of what Chrissy's talking about here. The whole point about being it being mental. So let's focus a little bit on what she said here. One of the things that jumped out at me, <clears throat> pro athletes, roughly, she's saying is 80% mental, right? 80% mental, which means the other 20% is just the actual execution of, of the mechanics, if for lack of a better word. Yet when we watch them, you know, with a tennis player, we watch them on the court. You're like, wow, look at the top spin. Wow, look at the reaction. Wow, look at the, the speed in that serve, right? Wow, look at the placement, which you think it's all mechanics. But it takes a lot of mental health to take, to have the nerve to make those shots in the first place, right? And it's a lot of confidence in your abilities. So let me ask you this, Christy, kind of what comes first? Does, do I get good at the mechanics? I get the positive results. I then get the confidence, which then builds my mental game, or do I build my mental game, which then allows me to take the risk to do the mechanics and get better than mechanics, which then allows me to apply that and get better. So is it chicken or egg, which by the way, I know this is a, a no win answer, but I'm asking you. This is, yeah, you totally set me up for failure. Thank you. Appreciate I'm here it. For you. As an athlete, 
I, I did the first. So I worked on mechanics and then put the mental game to that. But I think one of the things, you know, going back to the thousand hours of practice, right, Malcolm Gladwell, yep. you know, the top performers in anything have put in 10,000 hours. But here's how I translate it. So I grew up playing competitive racquetball. I had a sponsorship with Head Rackets. I was a ranked junior. And then at some point I switched over to tennis. So I have a natural slice. It's nasty. My slice is my secret weapon. It's also a BOGO because it disguises as a drop shot. So I like, I just like worked the hell out of that shot, forehand and backhand. But what happened over the years is that women played me enough <laughs> that they knew what was coming and then they knew how to react to it. So several summers ago, I said to my coach, like, I think I better learn backhand topspin. Seemed like to me that was going to be the easier shot. So we spent, I don't know, eight hours filming, working on it, you know, together. And then he said, now I need you to go spend the next 50 hours at the wall. I said, what the hell's the wall? He goes, well, I don't know, but you've got one in your neighborhood, go find it. He goes, it's a two-story brick or concrete wall, probably located on a school, on a public school campus. And I need you to spend 30 minutes to 45 minutes a day for the, you know, for the rest of the summer, because this was my summer project, so I could be ready for USTA in the fall. And so I was like, he goes, I said, you know, you think it's going to take 50 hours to build muscle memory? And he goes, yes, I think you can do it because of your athletic ability and the things that you've done in the past. I think you can get this done in 50 hours. I was like, okay. But what people don't know is once I've learned that mechanic, well, then all of a sudden the fall season shows up. And now I have to have the guts to put it in play in competition when I know that my court counts whether or not our team wins the match or doesn't win the match. I have to, as a singles player, I normally, we have to, we play do two singles players and three doubles courts. At least one singles player has to win because you know you're not going to get all three doubles courts. So you know that you have, your court is important. So then I have to use mental memory, right? Then I have to go back into my, into my mental archive and build the mental memory of, of being at the wall, of, of trusting my shot, of trusting the 50 hours they put in at the wall in order to have the guts, as you said, to put it in play when I needed that last point, when I needed, a, when I needed to get my opponent off the court with my backhand cross court so I could come up and take that ball the opposite way. So the, 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 like you said, all of the processes, strategies, the tactics, all of that, you know, that's your muscle memory. But you got to be able to have mental memory. You have to know that in this situation, so I know, like, again, I know when to use my drop shot. I know when to use my slice. And now I know when to use my topspin. So you have to be able to see the whole core, right? It's that chess game. You have to be able to see that and know when to put it. That's mental memory. That's like, hey, that worked last time in this particular situation. Same thing. Hey, listen, the last time I had someone want to negotiate on price in this situation, I did this. It worked for me. gave me the confidence to try it again. So I'm going to go down that same path. But, but you want it to be automatic. Just like muscle memory, you don't think about that. I want people to have that mental memory where they're going to be able to go to that positivity, that, you know, that, hey, I know that I've got the confidence to do this. You know, everything's going to work out for me. I am the top 10 percenter. I am a rock star. So you have to build that, that mental memory just like you would muscle memory. So now let me, so what you just kind of heard Christy say there for her, it started the mechanics and, and then she had to, you know, build up the mental game to have the confidence to do it, right? So chicken and egg. But just to make you aware, it can go the other way too. I look back, what did Christy open up by saying? She opened up by saying there's lots of different ways you can go in your career path. 
and you got to kind of figure out the path you want, right? So you want to pick and choose. And part of that was by owning your own shit. That was, that was rock star trait number one. I look back on when I started my career, I knew, and for those who haven't heard this story, bear with me. My wife and I knew that when we were going to have our first kid, when that day came, we thought, we thought it made sense that one parent would stay home for the first couple of years. That was a conscious choice we made. The moral of the story here was, okay, well, which, which, which spouse has better earning capacity so then the other spells would stay home. So it wasn't predefined that my wife would stay home. It was whoever could make the most money so we could eat as a family. It quickly became apparent that was my career path, but I had to figure out which way I wanted to go. So where am I going with this? Where I'm going with this is this. I start to realize I, if I went to that position, maybe from you know a, a rep to a manager or a manager to a director, but maybe this was indirect sales and that was direct sales or what have you, you get that different paths. And I knew I could... If I went to that open position and I applied for it, it would have a pay belt, and that's the way I go. And that's what I started doing was I would apply for jobs that I probably wasn't necessarily qualified for, but I knew mentally that I wasn't putting myself so far out there. I wasn't like going from being a computer programmer, which is what I actually went to school for, to say, now I'm going to be the next Van Gogh. That would be a dramatic shift. I would fail miserably. This was just... This was just a little further than my comfort zone, a little further than my knowledge, but I knew mentally that if I got the job, the pressure on me to succeed quickly, provide for the family, not screw it up, not have to come on my wife and say, I oversold myself, I got fired. That pressure was going to motivate me. So I had the mental acuity, the mental strength to say, my mindset to say, I can risk that and I'll figure out the mechanics out of urgency and necessity. So it's a balancing game. It's all I'm getting at. You can use both, but one without the other, mechanics without mindset, you will never be a rock star. That's the takeaway you need to know there. Awesome. Daryl, I would be remiss if I didn't play off a comment that you made as a member of the Women's Sales Pro group throughout the United States. You mentioned that you decided to stretch yourself a little bit and, and maybe apply for a job that was maybe just a little bit out over your skis. Yep. Ladies in the room, we need to follow this suit. It is statistically probable that when you read a job description, if you don't think that you fit that job description by 97% of everything under the nice-to-haves and the requirements that you will not apply, we need to take Daryl's strategy. We can be a little out of our skis, and then we can catch up to that. That's not a problem. But, Daryl, we're always trying to promote, you know, ladies, we need more women in sales leadership. We need more women in sales roles. So you made, a, you made an interesting point Men have this mentality, right? Men, men don't have any problem getting a little out over their skis, and and ladies, we need to get there. We need to get there soon. It's it's true because when I did this, my wife was freaking. She's like, "You're not qualified," and I'm like, "Well, I'm not. You know, maybe I'm a sixty to seventy percent qualified, but I'm not. You're right, about a hundred percent." And she's like, "You're gonna you're gonna get fired. You can't do that." And I'm like, "I, I trust me, honey. I'm not putting us at an unnecessary risk. You know, we're trying to shoot for a goal." And you're right. I mean, over and over again, I love that you brought that up. I mean, I love that you brought that up. Ladies, how do I say this without sounding like a privileged white guy? You are way better and more talented than you or society gives you credit for. You are as good, if not better, than most men out there. And guys, I'm not trying to be rude, but historically, the best reps over and over again in my teams 
have been women. Don't let yep. society Same. tell you what you can and cannot do. Trust me. You've got this. Just go for it. Mindset. Good segue. It's all about the mindset. All right. Well, and that happens to be rock star trait number four. Rock star trait number four is top 10 percenters have a growth mindset. Ooh, a growth mindset. The Christieism for this is there are jobs with a set income and there are jobs where you set your own income. The choice is yours. And so top 10 percenters are doing some of those things that we that we would expect them to do, but at a different level. They really do take the Jim Rome quote, which I love and live by, you'll be as successful as the five closest people to you. They eliminate negativity from their lives. They, neg- they eliminate those type of people from their lives. They know how to set boundaries. They are constantly seeking out le- learning opportunities, whether that be self-directed, instructor-led, whether that be on the job training. And they're not just reading. It's interesting when I ask people, one of the, again, one of the other interview questions, Daryl, that I ask is, what is the last podcast you listened to, book you read, seminar you attended? And about 80% of people tell me they've read or attended or listened to something that had nothing to do with sales. Could have been about crypto, could have been about business, could have been about I wanted to learn a new skill. Top 10 percenters are very diversified. They have other, they have other pieces of their life. And even if, even if you have small children in a family, they have, they have things that they do for themselves, whether that be, you know, I'm into, again, craft beer. I love to make craft beer. You know, I love to do wine tasting. I love to do crafts. I love to do gardening. But they have a growth mindset, and they know that this is just sort of the tip of the iceberg, and they're always looking to surround themselves with people. And I, and I say this all the time. I'm always looking for people that are going to make me better. And if you're not going to make me better and I'm just going to make you better, that's going to last for just a short period of time. And I'm really, and I'm kind of snotty about it, in fact. You know, I mean, people say they're like, they're like, sometimes you've got that resting bitch face. And I said, you know what? That's because the people in the room weren't worth my time. And I hate to be mean about it. But I really do. Like, I have very low tolerance for people that aren't going to, that aren't bringing something to the table. And it doesn't always have to be about business. Like, I have an amazing friend and she knows everybody. So she's like the most fun person to go out on the town with because we can't go anywhere without her running into somebody. And I, I mean, I must meet five new people a night when we go out. And I love meeting new people. You know, like I can't like, she, like her eyes gloss over when I talk about my consulting business. She doesn't really understand at all what I do. When I say tech startup, she's not really sure what I mean. But I love having her in my life because she's a super positive person that everybody knows her name. She's got an, a unique name. And everybody knows who she is, and people will literally like just gravitate towards her. And she has an amazing memory for names, so she knows everybody. So I mean, and I and I love to be a connector. So it doesn't just have to be somebody that you know is a awesome business person or an awesome tennis player or whatever. Like, but bring the right quality of people in your life, and honestly, let those other people go. I call it addition by subtraction. I'm I'm smiling. And the reason I'm smiling. I saw that. The reason I'm smiling because there's a lot of people right now who are struggling with what you just said and, and they need to hear it. So let's, let's talk a little more about that because why they're struggling with is things like, doesn't that mean I'm disloyal? Doesn't that mean I'm just using people? Doesn't that mean, you know, doesn't friendship count for something? I, you, you, I'm sure you, you know where I'm, where I'm going with this. Yep. So how do you respond to people when you, when you give them that, that advice and they react that way? I use another uh, non-Christism, but reason, season, lifetime. Everybody does come into your life for a reason. I truly believe that, right? I'm super spiritual. I, like the universe has been kind to me. I lead a very blessed life. 
But I have figured out that some people are just there for, for a reason, and I need, to, I need them in my life for that period of time, which is normally shorter. Some people get to stay a season, and that's because that's, you know, that was what I needed or what they needed at that time. And then it's a very small handful of people that stay a lifetime. And, and I have, you know, and I have let multi-year friendships go when things did not align anymore. And it wasn't mean and it didn't have to end like that. But I am sort of forthcoming with people and saying like, hey, like this is the journey that I'm taking and I'm just not sure that you're going to be interested in going with me. I love recent season lifetime. I use that analogy often with my own employees. One of the things I'll say to my employees when I'm trying to coach them and mentor them and develop, I'll, I'll remind them, I'm like, you're here, you and I, we're together more than likely for a season. You're going to move on. And they, then they get panicked thinking mm -hmm. that I'm trying to get rid of them. And I'm like, I'm not trying to get rid of you. It's just natural that either I change jobs or you change jobs or we're going to be apart. But right now, I want you to be so successful that you can leave this job because there are jobs with a set income and there are jobs where you set your own income and you're going to go take that next job. And then you can look back upon That's me right. and you say, you helped me get there and I will feel fulfilled. Reason, season, lifetime is awesome. But I'll throw another one out there. This is what I tell my oh, kids great. all the time. I'll throw the one out there. You are the company you keep. Right? So true. And that doesn't mean you can't keep company with multiple sets or groups, right? You can have the childhood friends. Yep. You can have the yep. career, you know, crew. Yeah, or what? Absolutely. So, or as if you're married, like me, I have the play date crew that my wife sets me up with to go out with. So... <laughs> When she wants you out of the when house she wants me out of the for Saturday house. afternoon. Exactly. I set up a play date for you and Mary's <laughs> husband, Jim. You don't know him, but he's good. He's a nice guy. And you guys are going to go see a ball he's, game. He's a great guy. Yeah, great guy. Go see him. Yeah. <laughs> Those, we talked about the top 10 percenters. Chrissy used the term rock star. Same thing. What rock star sales reps have in common, the top 10 percenters are... And should we give me four traits here? And in no particular order, I'll, I will try to go logical. We had so many Christie-isms. I may get this wrong, but I love them. Right, right. We said, number one, own your own shit, which is understanding your strengths know and weaknesses yourself. are yeah. and where yeah. you play better than other people, right? Number two, be Columbo. It has to be all about them before it can be all about you, before it can be all about us. So knowing what questions to ask, when, you need to become the master of discovery. It's not an event, it's a process. That was number two. Number three, rock stars understand the mental game. Christism, I cannot motivate the unmotivated, but I can inspire the motivated. I think I got that right. Self-motivated. Self-motivated, yep, I knew I was missing a word. I will fix mm -hmm. that. And number four, growth mindset. And I love it again. There are jobs with a set income and there are jobs where you set your own income. And so the company you keep, reason, season, lifetime, the list goes on. Be diverse, you know, have all you know, additional interests. Good point. Yep. All those kind of elements. So those are the four traits that Christie's got. So as you listen to this, folks, your takeaway, because there's always a takeaway. Are you lacking in one or more? Remember the old the first one was own your own shit. So we're gonna practice it. What of these four are you lacking in? And number two. What are you going to do about it? Number four, of course, was that, you know, you want to, you are the company you keep, et cetera. So you can go and build that network to get better, to, to complement you, to grow you, to develop you. 
so you can you can backfill where you're weak. So those are the four. Christy, with Sales Acceleration Group, who, by the way, if you don't know, I, I mentioned this already, salesaccelerationgroup.com, they do everything. If you need a fractional sales leader, they can help you out. You need sales process execution, they got your back. You want sales training and coaching, they can do that. You need help hiring the right person, they can do that. And, of course, you've heard Christy today. So if you've got any kind of speaking gigs, maybe a sales kickoff, you would be naive not to approach her on that. So what is the best way for them to reach you, Christy? Daryl, let's reach out on LinkedIn, please. Oh, LinkedIn. I love to I love to connect with people on LinkedIn, and I love to hear that you listen to the podcast, and I would love to hear your takeaway. One takeaway. On LinkedIn, folks, it's LinkedIn.com slash in slash Christy with a K, followed by another K, followed by Jones. Christy K. Jones, as we're looking at it. So that's where we reach out to her. But again, salesaccelerationgroup.com. Uh, get the website up, show the boss, and say, we need to talk to Christy. With that, I had a lot of fun. Uh, Christy, did you have fun today? I did have fun today. Thank you for making my Friday a little better. Uh, making the Friday a little better, right? We, we, lost, we lost a resource on Christy's team this morning, but we gained some new friends in the whole community from the inside. inside and I'm hiring. Sales. So guys, <laughs> <laughs> they are hiring. <laughs> Give them a call. Oh, one more thing. Christy does have a, a special treat for us. She is going to create a, a downloadable to figure out your special traits by the time this puppy goes to air, you will be able to find it at salesaccelerationgroup.com slash I-I-S, which of course stands for the Inside Inside Sales Podcast. So check that out. Christy, thank you so much. And crew, practice your top four rock star traits. And that starts with listening to this podcast. Give it to the rest of the world and they'll be smarter and better and more successful and they'll thank you for it. And that will be the reason... And my podcast will be the season and we'll be in this as a lifetime together. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.